tonight. At this global event, this universal stage, whose storied past is rivaled only by the promise of an even bigger future. Millions will watch from around the world, waiting, anticipating for that next breathtaking moment. The stage is set. The time is now. History is at hand. This is WrestleMania. Here today for episode five, which means it's WrestleMania five, the second WrestleMania at Trump Plaza, but the first time that Hulk Hogan is challenging for the WWF Championship in the main event. A little background on WrestleMania five comes to us on the date of April second, nineteen eighty-nine, from as we had mentioned the Atlantic City Convention Center or known as Boardwalk Hall. The attendance was listed as 18,946. They don't mention the attendance at all during this WrestleMania, unless I missed it, Uh, which I thought was interesting. Maybe they just felt there's no need to be repetitive since the numbers were pretty much the same as last year. Tagline for WrestleMania 5, the mega powers explode. That's right. Tonight's the night where they just explode all over the place. Our commentators for the evening are the one and only Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura. New little twist to the America of the Beautiful tonight as we get the women's champion Rockin' Robin singing the America the Beautiful. She doesn't do as good as a job as past people like Aretha Franklin, but you know, that's serviceable. We got a large card tonight. Let's go right down to the ring for match number one. In our first match of the evening, I hear the music. That means it can only be one person. Jerry the King Law... Oh, nope, nope, sorry, sorry. Same music, but it is uh, King Haku with Bobby the Brain Heenan versus a now babyface Hercules. Many men. Many, many, many men carry Haku down on a throne. And it's kind of comical because the setup at Boardwalk Hall is that you enter down this long stairway. So they're carrying Haku on a slant. And I'm like, how are they not dropping him face forward? Whatever. Bobby Heenan demands everyone bow down to King Haku. Hercules comes out. Big Pop, former member of the Heenan family. We're going to see a lot of that tonight. And Hercules has entrance music for the first time. It's been a mania, I think, every time so far. But this is the first time he's had entrance music. Because, you know, good guy. King Haku pummels Hercules from behind to start the match. Uh, Haku wrestles barefoot in true Polynesian tradition. It's a decent match. You know, a lot of, you know, big two big bulls going at each other. Uh, Hercules ends up winning with a belly-to-back suplex pin. Similar to that German suplex spot, but he very clearly rolls the shoulder, 
Makes sure he gets his right shoulder up while keeping Haku down and picks up the pinfall. We throw to Gene Oakland who is backstage with Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. That's right. This is Shawn Michaels' debut on the podcast. Debut at WrestleMania as him and Marty Jannetty will team up as the Rockers to take on the Twin Towers. Now this is Shawn's first promo at WrestleMania. He's much, much better at these as the years go on. Um, but, man, is he fucking awful. Like, Janetti is actually not bad in this promo, but Shawn Michaels is horrible. He keeps looking at the floor. Uh, he keeps talking way too fast. He keeps getting in the way of his own words. He'll learn. I, I have a feeling he'll get better. Match number two, the Twin Towers versus the Rockers. The Twin Towers, of course, Hakeem, the African Dream. <sighs> and the big boss, man. With Slick versus, as they're promoted, the tag team specialist Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. Now, Hakeem the African Dream. I could have sworn we saw this guy last year in the tournament. Uh, didn't he make the semifinals against the... Oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. That was... That was the one-man game. Totally different person. And I swear to God, this Hakeem the African Dream is not making fun of Dusty Rhodes in any, any sort of way. No, no. That's definitely not happening here. Big fat white guy dressing as uh, in an African dashiki. You make the call. First thing I notice, boss man is huge. He is huge. I, I get it, Twin Tower gimmick. Uh, he's at least four Hondo at this point. Like, Jesus Christ, that man is fucking big. Now, as far as uh, the boss man's attire, he has this typical, you know, blue policeman outfit. He has a Confederate flag on the sleeve. And I can't help but wonder just how long throughout his career does he keep that on his sleeve. Hmm. Rockers showcase a lot of tandem offense. Good double team moves. Fast pace. Jesse takes another verbal cheap shot at referee Joey Morella. Shawn Michaels in this match. You can tell he's, he's got greatness coming to him. Just the little things he does in his ring. His selling already in 1989 is off the charts. He's bouncing around. He goes underneath the clothesline from Hakeem. Hakeem catches him on the back end and nails him. And Sean sells the shit out of it. You think he's fucking dead. It's pretty great. It's pretty great seeing Sean, uh, like I said, this early in his career. And he's already got these little nuances down so good. Unfortunately for Shawn Michaels, and something that can only be described motivation for why he buried so much young talent in the mid-90s, uh, Sean takes the pin after a huge splash by Hakeem, which the splash is called Air Africa. Gorilla throws us backstage to... Tony Schiavone. That's right. Mr. WCW announcer himself did have a job with the WWF for a little while. He's with the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and Virgil to talk about DiBiase's match tonight with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Virgil hilariously stands there, stares in the camera, looks pissed off and just pretends to count money but he's not actually counting it because he's not looking at the money he's just moving it back and forth between his left and right hand match number three Bruce the Barber Beefcake versus the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase Beefcake's entrance music is awful even for 1989 DiBiase in classic classic DiBiase form takes time 
before he enters the ring to shake the hand of Donald Trump from one millionaire to another. Because I'm assuming Trump wasn't a billionaire at this point. Match is decent. Uh, DiBiase distracts the ref while Virgil pounds on Beefcake. Beefcake comes back and then DiBiase goes to the outside and they exchange punches. Uh, eventually both men are counted out. So, uh, kind of a bullshit finish for WrestleMania, but I'm assuming their feud will continue. Lord Alfred Hayes is here, unfortunately, from earlier today with the Bushwhackers at the WrestleMania brunch. I don't think that's a thing. He tries to interview the Bushwhackers who are eating, literally stuffing their faces with pancakes and such, so that every time one of them answers, it sounds like Kenny from South Park. Match number four, we go to the ring for the Bushwhackers versus the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers with Jimmy Hart. Uh, crowd pretty quiet for this one. So even they think this shit is boring. Bushwhackers with a double gut buster and they get a polite reaction from the crowd for the win. Eh, this match was okay. Here's what it is. Bushwhackers on the main card is kind of meh. Uh, now, Gorilla throws us to a much, much better backstage interviewer, Sean Mooney! Unfortunately, he's just there to get slobbered on by the Bushwalkers. Now, match number five, a very interesting match for anybody who's a longtime WWF fan. This match features the one and only Mr. Perfect versus a young, up-and-coming masked wrestler known as the Blue Blazer. That's right. Owen Hart makes his WrestleMania debut tonight in Atlantic City. Uh, and it's funny, too, because as he's wrestling, it is blatantly Owen. Like, it's not even, like... Obviously, we know what Owen's offense looks like, but Jesus Christ. Uh, we get a mention of Larry the Axe Henning from Jesse Ventura, which I thought was a nice touch. Good match. Decent match. Uh, Blazer tries to go up top for a splash. But Perfect gets his knees up. Blazer gets a few real close two counts. But ultimately, Perfect beats him with the Perfect Plex. Nice little introduction to Mr. Perfect. Always one of my favorites, personally. We go down to the ring for Howard Finkel to introduce us to Jesse Ventura. Who Jesse just threw to Howard, and then Howard introduces Jesse. Yeah, uh, And Ventura hams it up, because... That's what he does, yeah. That's fine. Hey, at this point, he's already come out with Predator. He's a big movie star. The future governor of Minnesota needs his accolades. Again, we go to pre-recorded comments from Alfred Hayes from earlier today with a special five-kilometer race to celebrate WrestleMania 5. Get it? 5K? WrestleMania 5? Because if you don't get it, they'll beat you over the head with it. And who's in this race but Mr. Fuji? Fuji starts the race in his full wrestling tux thing. And then we see them later on, and Fuji finishes the race. Of course, we don't see the whole race. We don't see the middle. Uh, but we get no explanation of that either during this event. So, whatever. Fuji predicts after the, mat, after the race, victory for his powers of pain in the tag title match tonight. Now, the next segment coming up at WrestleMania 5 is something that has become a long story tradition at WrestleMania. Uh, something not a lot of people care for. Uh, I guess it depends on the artist, but we go to a special in-ring 
WrestleMania Rap by Run DMC. If you're wondering, uh, this is 89, so WWE, or WWF rather, uh, keeping up the tradition of being way too late to the party. Uh, they probably should have done this in 84 or 86, when those guys were really over. Crowd is uh, politely excited, we'll call them that. Afterwards, we get our first video package explaining the feud between Powers of Pain and Demolition. Now, the feud stems from the Survivor Series from Fuji turned on Demolition, who used to be, who we used to manage, and caused them to be eliminated. After the breakup, Powers of Pain take Fuji on as their new manager. <gasps> Old manager versus new manager team. Now, match six is not a traditional tag team match. It is actually a handicap match for the tag team championships. What they did is they put the Powers of Pain against Demolition, but Fuji has to wrestle too. So it's three on two, Fuji and the Powers of Pain versus Axe and Smash. Mr. Fuji, former tag team champion, for those of you who remember, God bless you, with Professor Tanaka in the 70s, and then Mr. Seato in the early 80s. At this point, Mr. Fuji is 55 years old. Keep that in mind. Because guess what? This guy can still fucking go. Jesus Christ, good for him. 55 years old, he can still go in there with a couple of friggin' bulls like Axe and Smash. Cutting towards the end of the match, Fuji misses a splash and Axe gets the tag to Smash, who is a house of fire, but a miscue leads Fuji to nailing the Warlord with a fistful of salt. Demolition hit, Fu hit Fuji with their finisher, and Demolition win the match by pinfall. Decent. Like I said, Fuji can still go, so good for him. Now this next segment is kind of hilarious. Tony Schiavone tries to get comments from Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, he ain't having it. Pretty much slams the door in his face and throws him out of the room. Even pushes over the cameraman, which I thought was a nice touch. Match number seven features <clears throat> the world's strongest man. No, seriously. That's his moniker. Dino Bravo versus rugged Ronnie Garvin. If anybody here is familiar with Ronnie Garvin from their NWA days prior to this run the WWF, uh, he looks like a totally different person. They tanned him up, cut his hair, and bleached his hair blonde. Not the Ronnie Garvin I was thinking of. Uh, the world's strongest man pins Ronnie Garvin after a sidewalk slam. Yeah, it's a short match. Now, after the match, uh, Frenchie Martin tries to attack Garvin with the Quebec flag. Uh, but Garvin beats the crap out of him and starts giving him what would soon, you know, later on be known as the Randy Orton stomp. Where he just kicks him and stomps him in, like, every, like, vital part of his body. It's actually kind of funny. Match number eight. Now, this was a very interesting match. This match is the WrestleMania debut of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. With Bobby the Brain Heenan, of course, known as the Brain Busters. Versus, at the time what was known as Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martel. It is very noteworthy that this is the fourth tag team match of the night. I can't remember WrestleManias that had more than three. Tully and Arn are amazing at this point. I mean, how Vince was able to lure them over from NWA is, is such a credit to Vince because these guys were so polished, so good, 
so ruthless. You know, everybody talks about the revival being a throwback to the brain buses, to Tully and Arn. Yeah, nobody did it better than Tully and Arn. Nobody fucking will. Now, at one point, Strike Force locks Tully and Arn into stereo figure force. Now, you're going to sit here and tell me that that wasn't a direct shot at Ric Flair? Stereo figure fours, really? Okay. I'll, I'll let it go. Interesting dynamic during this match. So Tito goes for the flying forearm, but Arn ducks out of the way. So Tito nails, and I mean fucking nails, Martel. Martel falls outside the ring. He's hurt. He's holding his face because that's where Tito hit him. He's pissed. He gets back on the apron. He's still pissed, still selling the forearm. Tito's getting the crap kicked out of him by the Brain Busters. Tito finally makes his way over to the corner. Martel is like, fuck you! And starts walking away from the corner. Still on the apron. Tito's sitting there begging him, please, please, let me tag you. And Martel jumps down from the apron and leaves. The crowd is shocked. Booze rain down from Boardwalk Hall onto Martel. Tito gets the shit kicked out of him, and he gets pinned after a spike pile driver that looks absolutely vicious. Your winners, the Brain Busters, the real story of this match, is Rick Martel. Tell us why you left Tito Santana. Special segment of the night is a Piper's Pet segment. Roddy's Piper's music plays as he's going to be interviewing Morton Downey Jr. That, that's right, it's that segment. As Piper's music hits, out comes Brother Love with a kilt. And by Brother Love, I mean Bruce Pritchard. I don't mean that rapper who decided to change his name to Brother Love. Ugh. Brother Love, face as red as a tomato, makes fun of the missing Piper. And Morton Downey Jr. comes down to join the party, cigarette and all. Uh, Fink introduces, for real this time, Rowdy Piper. Piper comes out, huge reaction, uh, makes fun of Brother Love, while Downey just sits there and chain smokes. I'm not kidding him. He went through like four cigarettes in about two minutes. Uh, Downey's bored and starts throwing non-lit cigarettes at Piper while Piper's running down Brother Love. You can tell this gets Piper annoyed. Uh, Piper harasses Brother Love and then pulls his kilt off to, re to reveal Brother Love is wearing small red underwear. Love then runs out of the ring in embarrassment. With Brother Love gone, Piper focuses in on Downey Jr. like only Piper can, and this gets classic. If you've never seen this segment, please go on the network, watch the segment between Rowdy Piper and Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey Jr. is snarky. He comes off with complete disrespect, complete disregard. The entire time Piper's talking, he's blowing smoke in, the, in his face. Piper's like, don't blow no smoke in my face. Downey Jr. keeps doing it. Piper's like, it's like the third time I've had to tell you not to blow smoke in my face. Downey Jr. does it again, and it's like, come on, it's good for you. Piper responds like only Piper can. Takes out a fire extinguisher, and he lets it off in Robert Downey Jr. Or, sorry, Robert Downey. I, keep, I might be keep saying Robert Downey. Morton Downey Jr., forgive me. Piper responds by setting off a fire extinguisher in his face. And then blasting him in the nuts just for uh, good measure. Piper leaves to his music as Downey Jr. crawls around in the ring, mad, trying to grab at Piper's ankle. 
Piper hilariously just gives him one more shot from the fire extinguisher to get him off his ankle, and then Piper walks away. We go to Gene Oakland, who shows a little preview for Hulk Hogan's new feature film, No Holds Barred. Uh, no Holds Barred is probably a cult classic at this point. I say go see it. I enjoyed it, and it is Hulk Hogan's first feature film, as far as being the star. I believe that came out before Suburban Commando, but yeah, No Holds Barred, go see it. It features Zeus. More on that later. Actually, no, we're not going to talk about that later. We're just going to pretend it never happened, because Zeus actually wrestling in the WWF was atrocious. But if you want to see that, go watch SummerSlam 1989. Sean Mooney is interviewing Donald Trump. Trump, Trump praises the WWF and Atlantic City and uh, is so happy to have WrestleMania back this year. What a great event. We had so much fun last year. Let's do it again this year. Hey, uh, Donald, you think you'll get them next year too? Now, we finally go back to the commentating booth, and Jesse Ventura is pissed the fuck off. He is screaming into the camera at Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, how dare you come into Hollywood? Hollywood's my turf. Oh, man, if those two ever did have a match back then, it would have been fucking money. But Ventura had to retire early, so it's a shame, because those two would have made a lot of money. Now, Gorilla Monsoon throws us to a video package for the Hogan-Savage feud. This is a year-long build-up that they don't do anymore. It's so great to see that this story really started last year at WrestleMania. Obviously, Hogan helped Savage win the title. I've even heard different things about Hogan uh, kind of touching Elizabeth's ass while she was on Savage's shoulder, kind of planting that seed right there. Uh, SummerSlam, it was the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. Liz was a big part of the, of the Mega Powers winning that match. Afterwards, the first person she hugs is Hogan, not Randy. Uh, and then we get the big explosion uh, at main event when Liz gets knocked out. Hogan carries her to the back. Savage is pissed. Hogan comes back. Hogan's getting the cap crap kicked out of him in the ring by the Twin Towers. Savage leaves him there. He's like, fuck you. Deal with him yourself. Then that classic scene in the locker room where Savage and Hogan are yelling at each other and Savage cracks him with the belt and beats the shit out of him. This is how you book a feud. It, you can't really do it today. It's just too many shows in between. But if you really want to take time and you really want to build heat, you got to draw stuff out. And I thought they did this feud beautifully. And the video package, I give them a lot of credit for. It brought me up to speed and gave me a reason to be really excited for the main event. Gene Oakland is backstage with Hulk Hogan. This is the best promo I've seen Hogan cut at WrestleMania so far. It is amazing. And again, you built you with the backstory of that feud, his promo makes sense, and it gets you hyped for this match. Match number nine is Andre the Giant with Bobby Heenan versus Jake the Snake Roberts with special referee Big John Studd. Now, we all know John Studd and Andre have had a long history, so this should be interesting. Uh, the build for this feud is that Andre has a huge fear of snakes. So, of course, Jake keeps going for the snake bag. Andre punishes Jake relentlessly, though. Well, you know, Jake doesn't get him much offense, especially in the beginning. Uh, he teases getting the snake, but Andre grabs Jake by the throat and muscles his way out. Oh, because at one point Andre gets himself caught in the ropes. But, and you would think this is the time for Jake to get the snake, but no, Andre just grabs him by the throat and just forces his own giant body out of the ropes. 
Now, Stud and Andre are jarring at each other pretty much the whole match. At one point, Andre tosses Jake out, and every time Jake tries to get back in the ring, Andre just kicks him down. So Stud starts yelling at him that he has to let Jake back in the ring. And Jake tries to bring the snake bag in, but Stud prevents him from doing so. So with his back turn, Andre nails Stud from behind. Out of nowhere! DiBiase and Virgil come down to the ring, because why the fuck not? Uh, DiBiase steals the snake bag, runs up the stairs. Jake runs after him. The mean- Meanwhile, the whole time, Andre and Stud are... Andre, no, not and Stud. Andre's just beating the shit out of Stud. I was going to say they were beating the shit out of each other, but no. Stud is just getting the cap kicked out of him by Andre. Uh, Jake punches DiBiase in the face, grabs the snake bag, runs back to the ring, unleashes the snake in the ring, and Andre and Heenan get the fuck out of Dodge. Your winner, by disqualification, they called it for outside interference. I'd say it's for punching a referee is Jake the Snake Roberts. Match number 10 is our fifth tag team match of the night. Again, it's just, I'm not complaining, but imagine that in any other WrestleMania. Never mind today's day and age. But I don't, I really can't even remember a time where there was five tag team matches on a card. Jesse takes a really funny shot at Pat Patterson here. It's actually kind of decent. Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine the Dream Team with Jimmy Hart versus the Hart Foundation. Brett's really good at this point. Brett is uh, coming into his own. He's definitely got that excellence of execution down. And I think he's got a nice compliment going with the power and the craziness of Anvil. Now, of course, here we go again with the whole manager dynamic. Jimmy Hart used to be the manager of the Hart Foundation, but then when the Hart Foundation turned face, Jimmy Hart turned on them. So, at one point during the match, Honky Tonk Man hits Shake, Rat, and Roll. Doesn't go for the cover, which is odd. Even the commentators say it is. Uh, Instead, Brett eventually gets the hot tag to Anvil, and he swings the momentum back in the favor of the Hart Foundation. Jimmy Hart tries to leave the megaphone for Honky Tonk Man, but Anvil grabs it behind the referee's back, tosses it to Brett. Brett nails Honky Tonk Man and gets the pinfall for the win. And we go to another video package, this time showing the feud between Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior. This started at the Royal Rumble, apparently, how else would it start in 1989? With a pose down. That's right, these guys were, uh, were doing a pose down, a la Scott Steiner and Triple H. Those things never end well. It's kind of like contract signings. Uh, as... Rude is getting outshined. He attacks Warrior with a bench press bar after Heenum sprays Warrior in the face with some sort of spray down this. So technically, Warrior can't see, right? So Rick Rude is beating him down. And after Rick Rude leaves the ring, a bunch of officials come in the ring to try to help Warrior up. People like Dennis Calruzzo and uh, I think Pat Patterson was there. And Warrior just starts beating the shit out of everybody. Referees, officials, you know, backstage personnel, everybody. And I guess the maybe he couldn't see what he was doing, but they also tried to play it up as he was a loose cannon. And I'm like, that guy just beat up all these officials and he's the good guy. Because he's crazy! Now, we go to that match. 
Intercontinental Championship, the Intercontinental Champion himself, the Ultimate Warrior versus Ravishing Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan and Bobby Heenan's quest to once again obtain gold for one of his clients. Now this is kind of hilarious because Rude tries to attack the Warrior before the bell with the need of the midsection. However, Warrior's still wearing the belt. So Rude hurts his knee in the process. I don't know if it was a shoot because he's like really, really hobbling on the knee for like the first five minutes. Uh, tassels are flying all over the place as Warrior tosses Rude around like a ragdoll. Uh, Warrior goes for the splash, but Rude gets the knees up. Big, big pile driver on the Warrior. I thought this was done nice. And Rude gets a, gets a near fall. Uh, at one point, the action spills to the outside. Warrior tries to suplex Rude back into the ring from the apron. However, Bobby Heenan grabs Warrior's foot, which kind of causes Rude to fall on top of him. It was, like, done kind of awkwardly. Um, Rude covers him. Heenan holds Warrior's foot down under the rope, which apparently the referee couldn't see, uh, so that he can't kick out. And uh, that's it. We get a three count. Boom! Bobby Heenan helps Ravaging Rick Rude win the title. And we have a new Intercontinental Champion. How about that? Uh, Warrior is fucking pissed after this. He beats the shit out of Bobby Heenan. Rude leaves, which thanks to sticking up for your manager. And, and Ultimate Warrior just fucking beats the bag out of Bobby Heenan. Gives him a grill press that he looked like he fucked up. Because Heenan lands all types awkwardly. Uh, but the crowd loves it, so it works. Now we go to a cooldown match. That's the only thing I can call this. Match number 12 is the Bad News Brown versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It's your typical brawling type of match. They don't keep this one lasting long. Uh, Brown gets frustrated and grabs a chair. Duggan grabs his 2x4. Referee wants both, both of them. They ignore the referee. They start jousting with the weapons. And the referee disqualifies both of them. The referee, by the way, a very young Tim White... Good to see Tim still alive and kicking in this in this show. Lord knows he won't be in a few years when he starts doing his suicide skits on the WWE.com. Anyway, then we get a match between the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, who shows up at ringside with the Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, Heenan is dressed in a singlet that can only be described as a miniature Andre the Giant singlet. Before the match, and I do want to point this out, we get a backstage segment with Gene Oakland and the Red Rooster, and oh boy. Wow. Huh. This is the guy teaching kids in NXT how to cut promos. Taylor beats the crap out of Rude in about 30 seconds. Um, this match, literally, 30 seconds. Throws him into the turnbuckle, turn him first, and pins him. Uh, immediately after the match, Brooklyn Brawler attacks Rooster, uh, and I'm assuming there's some type of feud started there. Whatever. We're getting ready for our main event. Obviously, that was kind of a throwaway match. Gene Oakland is with Miss Elizabeth, who hopes when her mega powers explode, they do so gently. Match number 14, and we go to the WWF World Heavyweight Championship title fight between Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. I don't think we get any special guest ring announcer for this. This match is too hype for that. We just go right into the entrances. Uh, Savage has a giant 
madness written on the back of his robe, which I thought was kind of nice. Uh, Hogan is still over as fuck to the point where people explode when Real American starts playing. That's funny, because Jesse Ventura gets kind of pissed off that Savage comes out first, even though he's the champ. Uh, and I get it. Jesse, I get it. I still complain about that to this day. Now, this match starts off very interesting. Uh, Savage avoids Hogan at all costs. He's, he's walking around the ring. He dives out of the ring. Uh, every time he goes to lock up with Hogan, he just kind of backs off. Uh, but at one point, Hogan gets a cut above his left eye after a swift kick from Randy. And Savage gets a lot of good heat on Hogan. He starts beating the crap out of him. Uh, it's great to see Savage work, and it's great to see him work against a guy like Hogan. Hogan is pretty busted open, and the fight spills to the outside as Liz tries to prevent them from exploding all over each other too soon. Uh, Savage gets pissed and screams at her relentlessly, which causes her to leave the inside area. Alright, so she's gone. She is out of this thing. Savage continues beating up Hogan, and he hits the flying elbow drop for the one, the two, and the huge kickout. Hulk Hogan is going to that place again. That place where he goes crazy! And he becomes impervious to pain. Hulk hooks up like only Hulk can. Few punches, big boot, leg drop. That's it. New champion. Pretty good match. Uh, obviously, the pop, Hogan wins the belt, is huge. Uh, me, personally, after seeing this five times in a row at WrestleMania, I, I get it, we didn't see it last year, but still, uh, eh, it was okay. <laughs> really wasn't much to say about uh, Hogan's offense in this match. It was the, it was more one-sided than I've seen it, and, you know, just to do the big boot and the leg drop to finish it was kind of anticlimactic for me, but whatever. That's Hogan's shtick. It will be until the end of time. For me, the best match of the night was the Brainbusters versus Strike Force. Really good selling, really good in-ring work, and uh, obviously the breakup in the heel turn was huge. Got a huge reaction to me. Uh, got a huge reaction from the crowd too. Worst match of the night, believe it or not, was not Red Rooster versus Terry Taylor. Worst match of the night for me was Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Bad New Brown. There was no point in it. It was probably maybe a minute longer than Terry Taylor versus Heenan, but it was even more pointless. I gotta tell you, I had a lot of fun doing this WrestleMania. Never watched five before, uh, and it was interesting to see Hogan finally win the title. He becomes a two-time WWF champion at this point. The only other person at this point to have done that was the legend himself, Bruno Sammartino. Now, I'm very interested for next week, or next time, that we're going to be talking about WrestleMania 6. From Toronto, the ultimate challenge. Tune in next time, where we take a look at one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time, North of the Border. Follow us on Twitter, at The Rundown Podcast. Follow at Realist Tommy. Like I said before, I hear that guy's pretty funny. Check out all of the shows on the Rundown feed, including Nitromania. Adam has just entered 1996. He's been here for WCW. The sit-down with Jason comes back. The Rundown sit-down returns on November 27th. Troy will be coming out with more episodes of Glow Stick and Exceed Revisited. 
and on his own podcast, The Slasher Sanitarium. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. And, of course, I would be amiss not to mention the Raw Attitude Podcast with professional wrestler himself, Henry Check out the Raw Attitude Podcast with professional wrestler himself, Henry Hughes, the suplex going to suplex. My name is Sal, and I have been your host, Wrestling Salvation, and we will see you next time.